Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hey, Squirrel. So I think we have an interesting question or comment from someone at Tim Group, your, your, one of your colleagues. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And um, the topic for today will be the frustration of learning, um, although it may not sound like that uh, from first blush. The, uh, the, the point was we were going to get ready for this podcast today, and we have many topics and questions people have asked, but I polled people around me and said, uh, you know, what are your personal uh, questions or problems you'd like uh, help troubleshooting? And people kind of demurred, but I said, oh, come on, what was your biggest frustration from today? And I got back something that really resonated with me. And it was someone who said, um, you know, my, my biggest frustration was I didn't do any technical work today. I spent my morning in a retro and my afternoon in an RCA. RCA, for those who might not know, is a, a root cause analysis. Yeah, that's right. And um, what, I, what I liked about this is that he, this person wasn't actually complaining uh, the, the sort of idea that this is their biggest frustration is sort of a relative thing. I mean, I, and I feel it personally. My, one of my favorite things to do is code. And yet uh, that hasn't been my, my job for at least a decade. I don't know about you, Squirrel. Yeah, me too. And I'm sure uh, sometimes I even just write some lisp on the train on my iPad just to keep in, in form. Yeah, and and it's just for me, it's it's one of the most pleasurable activities, and yet it's not where I've taken my career. So I'm, I'm clearly valuing something else myself, and I think that's true with my colleague here, who he wasn't complaining. He said this is time well spent uh, because we're getting value from it, but it still leaves a frustration, the desire to actually get something done. And what I really liked about it is how much it resonated with me with uh, complaints I've heard from other people who didn't have quite the same attitude. They, they didn't value what they were doing in the meetings and whatnot. Instead, they just were frustrated and said, when, when do we get to get stuff done? Like, when does the work happen? <laughs> yep. All meetings, no action. That's that agile stuff. Right. So is this something you've heard from people also? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so people complain about meetings because they're like, oh, I spent this time in the RCA. It seemed like a waste of time. I spent time in a retro, a waste of time, especially with people who've just adopted agile. Uh, and teams that I've worked with, this is especially intense. And um, I think that this is a really important problem when it comes to troubleshooting Agile. People trying to adopt Agile, and they're trying to adopt uh, the problems, uh, the, the principles and practices, but they run into these kind of problems. And one of the classic problems is this, um, we're trying to do the, the things that Agile tells us to do. We're trying to do the retrospective we're trying to do an RCA. We're trying to learn. And, you know, it's just, it's terrible. Why didn't we just spend the time writing the code? We could have gotten the problem done if we just spent spend all the time talking about it rather than spend all the time in the planning game or all the other rituals. And I, I think uh, the problem is that people just don't understand the difference between uh, skill-based uh, activities and knowledge-based activities. And the challenge here is that Agile is, requires skill. Uh, which means it's stuff that requires uh, uh, practice. And what people are expecting is that it's just knowledge-based, like they will learn about Agile and then everything will work. So, so Jeffrey, I'm, I've just read the book and here it says in the book that I'm supposed to do this set of things. And on Thursdays, I have my retrospectives, just like it says on page 64. Is, is that not good enough? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's not. I mean, it's not that the book is wrong. Um, having your retrospectives every Thursday or whatever the book says probably does work, but it's one of those challenges that only works when you know how to have RCAs and uh, or retrospectives or planning games or whatever that uh, process is. 
uh, and people don't expect that, look, the first time you do this, it's going to be bad. Whatever, whenever you try to do your first root cause analysis, you're trying to do your first planning game, your first retrospective, it, you're going to, you're going to be bad at it and it will feel horrible. And so naturally you'll think, well, this is a waste of time because with the same hour or two hours or four hours, I could have been writing code, which is what I'm good at. And I could have gotten so much more done. I would have been so much more productive. So in fact, I've gotten worse. And this is a common learning pattern where when you're, you're running along and, and you can see a graph of this is called the S curve and it has another, the, the J curve, sorry. And it has another name, which I'll, I'll look up and put in the, sh in the show notes. You, you start out going along at a certain level. You can imagine a graph and, and it's going along horizontally and then it takes a dip. It starts going down and that's the part where you're learning and you're, you're mastering the new technique, but you're worse because you're trying the new technique. You get worse at what you used to be good at. And then if you wait long enough and you actually practice and improve, then you actually achieve a higher level and the curve moves up and attains a steady state at a higher level of performance than it started with. But the, the danger with the J curve is that you stop at the bottom of the J. Yeah, that's right. I got worse and that wasn't any better. So then you just curve back up again, you make a U curve and you go back to where you were. And, and the way to really fail, if, you, if you'd like to really be the, the most failure um, that, you, that you could have, is to do the J curve and then try another uh, new practice and go on the J curve again. <laughs> so you wind up just going down and down and down and you never actually get the, the upward curve. That's right. Process churn. Well, if yes. this, this process didn't work, we'll try the next process. What we need to do is just hold the planning game twice a week and then that, that'll be better. We won't change how we do it. We'll just hold it more often. Yeah, or we'll make it longer. You know, we just we didn't get finished last time, so what we're going to do is now make it four hours instead of two. That's right. And I think the problem here is we end up with a fight between two kinds of people. They represent two different failure modes, and and one is the sort of instinctive uh, cowboy coder, no process, all that matters is the code we write. Uh, we just need to be out there churning out code. That's the thing to do. And that's kind of the U case. That's the one where you, you might have tried some agile techniques and you said, oh, these didn't make anything any better. I'm just going to go back to just writing code. That's right. That You know what? That, that stuff doesn't work. Or maybe if it works, it doesn't work here. Uh, it, that wouldn't work in our environment. We just need to give up and go back to what we know how to do. And so there's just you just give up on learning. Uh, that's not, not what you think is happening. What you say is we're just going to go back to what, what is effective, what works. And it's not like there's no learning happening. You, I'm sure if you just sit there and code every day, there's no doubt you do get better on some axis. Maybe you get faster. Uh, maybe you, you get a bit more clever. But it's what we would call single loop learning, not double loop learning, meaning you're just getting better at kind of the same activity. But that's not where real improvement comes from. I, I'm sure we've talked in the, in the past about uh, marginal gains, which is about uh, trying different things to get slightly better. And we've talked about mundanity of excellence, which says real changes in uh, uh, output come not from doing the same thing, but faster, but rather doing different things. This, I'm going to focus on coding. Uh, I'm going to only code and code and code denies you that access of improvement, which is where the real gains come from. So what you could be doing is just not writing that module at all, or using a completely different programming language, or not deploying 
in the cloud, but deploying on-premise or something like that, something that would be completely different to what you're doing rather than writing a loop that's 10% faster. That, that's right. And if you think about examples we've talked about in our podcast, we use the example of people who solved the problem without using software at all. No amount of writing your code faster is going to be faster than not writing the code at all. But you have to think in a very different way to come up with a technique that involves no code at all. That's right. And getting there and thinking differently involves skill and therefore practice and therefore learning. And that's the problem is that learning is horrible. So that's one axis of the of the argument. That the problem is the people on the other side aren't generally people who are embracing learning and how horrible it is, but rather people who focus just on process. And they say, this is the way to do Scrum. I, I know that's a particular favorite of yours. Oh, yeah. Well, I have uh, lots of teams that claim they're doing some form of Scrum, but they usually don't find that all the techniques are making sense for them. The extreme version was a chap who uh, had, uh, every time you asked him, he had a very detailed theoretical analysis of exactly how his team of 10 people could work more effectively. And it just involved more processes. And uh, I remember at some point he suggested that the solution to getting the team to respond more quickly was to have more committees. So <laughs> what we really needed was a committee that would decide on which uh, process to use. And then that process would help the team to be more responsive. And um, in the end, we just had to say, thanks very much. I think maybe you belong in a different environment. So he, he went and worked in a different environment other than the team, which I was trying to get to be responsive, to uh, uh, iterate, to try to come up with new ideas. His, his processes were actually in the way of doing that. That's a, a really beautiful story. I, I've got to, I don't, you've never told me that one before. I've never heard anyone say the way for us to go faster is form a new committee. Oh, oh yeah. That was a repeated <laughs> statement. That wasn't just once. <laughs> I do understand. I have some empathy. While this is, a, I think this is a mistake, it's a natural and understandable mistake because people who focus on, who are looking at the process aren't wrong because they are saying, look, we need to do something different. So they do have that in their favor. There's something that's better than the first one there. So they're not on the U curve where they just say, forget it. They're, they're actually trying new things, but they're, they're always doing it at the bottom of the J curve. They're just, uh, they keep going down and down and down. They never quite head back up to uh, actually actual knowledge, which helps them to, or sorry, skill, which helps them to improve. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the problem is this dichotomy is, is they believe it's a question of knowledge. Uh, or maybe commitment. Like if people really understood this, if people really read the book, the Scrum book and did it, and they really understood how committees work. If they just came to the committee meetings instead <laughs> of skipping them all the time. That's right. If they would just follow the process, then everything would be great. And and that just ignores the human element. It ignores the, the, the skill problem. It says all that matters is that we follow the process and it ignores the learning just as much as the uh, code only people do. So I, th I think these people are equally mistaken. Uh, and actually, ironically, for the same motivation, they're both avoiding learning. They're just doing it in different ways. So what do we do if we, if we don't want to be these people? What could we do differently? Luckily, there is an alternative. Unluckily, it's very painful. <laughs> uh, uh, spoiler alert. Yes, spoiler alert. It's not fun. Otherwise, people would probably do it naturally. Um, and that's really uh, embracing the idea that uh, this is about skill. And uh, developing skill is about learning. And learning means the detection and correction of error. And that's not fun. Learning is horrible. <laughs> so uh, I, I really like Amy Edmondson. And we've talked about her before as the person who popularized the, the phrase uh, psychological safety. 
And she's the author of the book Teeming, which we'll link in the show notes. That's right. And in Teeming, she talks about this problem pretty much head on. And she talks about uh, the role of leaders in framing for learning. And I'm not going to try to recapitulate the entire chapter, but you can imagine it sort of as the leader saying, we're embarking on this new thing. And by the way, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> it's really, it's going to be hard uh, because we've never done it before. So you you basically are upfront with people like, hey, this is skill and we haven't practiced and we should think about that. And we should, we should look at this as something that's going to be challenging. And by the way, I then therefore need all of you to help me out. Well, I need all of you to be feeding back to me about what's not working. In fact, we together need to talk about what's not working and then uh, change what we're doing to make it work. We're going to go through this journey together because we understand from the beginning that it's going to be hard. And that may mean that you don't get to write as much code, which is the thing that might be most personally pleasurable, but you may have to come to a root cause analysis and confront the difficult problem of lack of knowledge of some component of your system or how your users use it or why you don't like the testers. That's right. And also, by the way, it means you may not end up doing the process by the book. <laughs> you, you might find out that there's another way that works better in your circumstance. So you're you're going to be uh, embracing the, the, the process and seeing where it leads you. And I think this is the, very relevant for our podcast on Troubleshooting Agile, because I think this becomes really a fundamental stumbling block for many of the organizations I've seen struggle with Agile adoption, which is if you're trying to adopt Agile and do it right, you're going to be needing to learn and you're going to face this frustration of learning. And the real question is, do you care enough about the success of your team to learn? Well, I think that's a great question. And I'd love to hear some answers from our listeners. Are you in either of the two situations we described, kind of the, the U, U curve where your team just codes or the descending J curve where you're getting more and more process and it doesn't seem to help you learn? Or are you like Jeffrey's colleague who says, gee, this learning is painful, but I'm uh, it's frustrating for me, but I'm willing to try it. I'd be interested to hear which of our listeners, uh, uh, which places our, our listeners find themselves in and if there are any questions we can help them with. Yep, that would be great. I would love to hear people's stories about going through this process as well. Excellent. Well, everybody knows where to do that. In case you've forgotten, it's troubleshootingagile.com, and there's a nice link there for emailing us. We do get questions there. We have a nice little backlog. We'd love to get more, and we'll continue to answer them as best we can here on Troubleshooting Agile. All right. Thanks, Squirrel. Thanks, Jeffrey. 